Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, unfortunately, we have another Packers defeat to talk about the seventh in eight games. This one, very different style of game than what we've uh, been used to seeing here with the Green Bay Packers. This one was a shootout at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday Night Football. Game was tied 20-20 to at one point in the second quarter. Eagles pulled away. Packers couldn't catch up. Final score, 40-33. to And at the end of the day, it was a rough night on defense and a couple of very regrettable mistakes on offense that were the difference in this game. Yeah, and it was funny because now obviously you're not sitting here last week thinking 363 rushing yards allowed or anything like that, but... What was the number one thing you and I were talking about? It's like this Eagles offense is not going to stay down much longer. Uh, They had off performances against Washington and against Indianapolis, and they brought all of it in this game against the Packers. Ultimately, a lot of things you can break down here as to why the Packers lost that game, but for me, it's missed tackles. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur said at his Monday press conference, 20 missed tackles, that's the most during his time here as the Packers He actually said he thought it was more than 20 as they, yeah. were, as they were going through. He said Sunday night after the game, the, the live charts had indicated that the Packers were keeping it indicated 15 missed tackles. And then after the coaches reviewed the film on Monday, the number climbed above 20 somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, a legitimate MVP candidate, a guy that is just – he's just a – he's like a – just a battery of energy like it's just this this uh energizer bat you know bunny kind of thing where he is able to take plays like I've never seen anybody like this in terms of if it breaks down you get him into the open field he's like a running back but if he has time to throw he has the arm talent to make you pay um the the touchdown pass that he had there I mean he is the an all-around playmaker and for the Packers if you get a hand on him, you have to get him to the ground. And, and Green Bay didn't do enough of that in this game. As you said, uh, a shootout from the very beginning, 14-13 to 13 in the first quarter. I thought this was very interesting. I guess that was the most points scored in an NFL first quarter this season. I would have thought it had been more than 27, but yeah. that's the way it's worked out. And the Packers did some really good things in this game offensively. But defensively, we talked week after week after week about the complimentary football component of this thing, and and defensively, Green Bay just didn't have very many answers for the Eagles. Yeah, the 20-plus missed tackles uh, obviously really stood out, and you said it in terms of getting a hand on Jalen Hurts, but that's not enough, And and it's not enough to get one guy to the football because, yes, the Packers can't miss that many tackles, but he's also, and not just him, but it was Miles Sanders. It was also the yeah. receivers on some short routes and things where they were they were breaking tackles. But defense is all about getting enough guys to the football where if there is a missed tackle, it the play doesn't rupture into a big gain. Yes. And the Packers defensively way too often were leaving it all on one guy to make a tackle in an open field situation and nobody else was there to help clean it up. So when there was a missed tackle, it wasn't just a couple of extra yards. It was a garden variety play turning into an explosive or a ruptured type of play that was really damaging. Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders combining for 300 of the 363 rushing yards. Philadelphia goes 8 for 15 on third down, also converts a couple of fourth downs when 
the when the the third and long they got close enough to then be able to yep. to convert on fourth down. It was just a really really rough night for the defense. They had essentially three good possessions defensively. They got a fourth and one stop early in the game on Jalen Hurts, which was a which was a key point early for the Packers to stay in this game. There was a uh, a fumble and a recovery and long return by uh, Quay Walker that set up the Packers for some points, and then there was also a three and out in the in in the midst there. But other than those three possessions, the Eagles basically scored every time they had the ball, and then on the final possession of the game with a minute to go, they ran the ball three times, moved the chains, and and kneeled out the clock. Um, just not enough not enough stops, and uh, and just a very frustrating way to lose when. The Packers offense, which has struggled so much, you know, only getting the 17 points against Tennessee the week before, not being able to win in Detroit when the Lions only score 15 points right. and not being able to get that victory. To have a, a season high with 33 points and to come up and to come up short, it's just a, another, a different way, a, a different way to swallow another tough loss, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's three things that I kind of walked away from with this thing, no pun intended, for our award-winning Packers.com show. Uh, Three things. (laughs) But there were three things I walked away from. One, the Packers schedule this year is probably one of the most difficult I think I've seen uh, in my time on the beat. The way it's worked out, the the layup games, Washington, the New York Jets, Giants, they all ended up being a lot more competitive this year than we imagined. All three of those teams might make the playoffs now. When at the beginning yeah. of the season, nobody was putting any of those three teams no, in the No, especially now with Mike White at quarterback. No, I mean, Nobody would have said after Thanksgiving that all three of those teams would be above 500 fighting no. for a playoff spot, but that's where we are. There was basically one team that I think has kind of been what everybody thought they were, and no disrespect to them because we'll talk about them on Thursday. It's the Bears You're right. You know, right. this season who are still in the midst of a rebuild. So that was my first thing I took away. Two, the disheartening part about this, the difficult, most difficult thing to swallow is the Packers were within seven points still of the number one seed right now in the NFC. Yeah. And to be able to put up 33 points on that defense, Philadelphia, they do what they do, man. They're not going to deviate from it. They're going to try to apply pressure with their front, and they're going to be able to create opportunities on the back end. That's the way it's predicated. But they were able to move the football. They were able to run the ball against them. But ultimately, you know, you still fall short. In three, the part that makes this difficult to swallow is in a year in which I really truly believe any of the seven teams that make the playoffs in the NFC are going to have a realistic shot at the Super Bowl, it's getting to be more and more dire here for Green Bay trying to stay in that race. I think it was a 2% or whatever they put it at right now for the Packers' playoff chances. When they've had opportunities, they've come up short. And when I say short, I mean I'm literally talking within a score or two. Mm-hmm. It's just has been they haven't really gotten blown out for the most part this season. But the teams that are able to pull together, that are able to, you know, overcome the adversity, are able to, you know, in an imperfect game find the most answers. Those are the teams that win. And Green Bay was so good at that the last few years. And yeah. this year it's just been a situation where you can't get the yin and yang quite to fit. Yeah. And this was another game of it. Keyshawn Nixon 
has a phenomenal performance as a kickoff returner. They get a 53-yarder to midfield late in the game, and they go three and out afterwards. It's those type of things that when something goes well, you just haven't been able to build that momentum. Yeah, and it's also it's also been a case of any time a mistake is made, it ends up proving really, really costly yes. because you end up losing these games by such close scores. You mentioned Nixon, who had a phenomenal night, 52-yard, 53-yard, 38-yard kickoff return. But what happened on an early kickoff return? He flubbed one. Then he ended up slipping and falling at the nine-yard line. Yep. And then what happens there? Aaron Rodgers ends up throwing an interception on a ball that gets deflected. Philadelphia has a short field, and they get a touchdown. It all traces back to the fact that that possession started at the nine-yard line yep. instead of starting at the 25 if you just take the touchback, that kind of thing. And I don't mean to pick on Nixon because, as I said, he had a great night, and he more than made up for his mistake. But my point is that every time this Packers team makes a mistake, yes. it proves absolutely critical and costly to them because they just don't have the margin for error to overcome those kinds of things. In a game that clearly the Packers' defense was struggling, the offense was going to have to score as much as possible to keep up. An opportunity to put points on the board. The Packers are knocking on the door, but Aaron Rodgers throws an interception when he and Tyler Davis, the tight end, are not on the same page. Rodgers thinks that Davis is going to stay up the seam. Davis keeps his route flat coming across. Rodgers, after the game, said he regretted throwing the ball because they weren't on the same page, but he saw, even though he wasn't running the route he was expecting, he decided to give him a chance anyway, threw it anyway. Well, the backup safety Blankenship for the Eagles ends up undercutting the route and picking it off. He's in the game because C.J. Gardner-Johnson had gotten injured earlier. That interception took points off the board for the Packers, and that was another mistake you just you cannot afford in, uh, in that type of game the way it was unfolding. As this game ultimately unfolded, Aaron Rodgers leaves with, ri- with uh, an injury to his ribs, um, extremely painful, very uncomfortable. What we heard on Monday is a lot of tests still being done, nothing definitive yet on the diagnosis. Rodgers was feeling better. He would like to keep playing as long as everything checks out okay. Very much up in the air at this point as to where that's going to go. Jordan Love stepped in in the fourth quarter and led the Packers to two scoring drives. 63-yard touchdown pass to Christian Watson on the catch and run. And then uh, late in the game... um, Couple cracks at the end zone there that would have uh, um, that would have possibly gotten the Packers within three points, but settle for the field goal to get the game to the onside kick there at the end. But Jordan Love, two possessions and ten points. Um, very interesting here because he played well in a tough spot. And if with the Packers at four and eight, if they do get mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, there are going to be discussions as to whether Jordan Love should play out the rest of the season. This was uh, in a very small sample size, just two possessions, but it was a pretty impressive outing for the young man showing a heck of a lot of progress from what we saw last year in Kansas City and in Detroit when he played roughly a game and a half um, in 2021. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this game was, well, one, the fact that that first third down conversion for the entire game for Green Bay came on the seven-yard out that that Love threw to the Zard. Again, that sort of illustrates one of the issues Green Bay's had this year. Last year, they were good on third downs. They were good in the red zone. Those two areas have just been kind of difficult. But when you look at it from Love's perspective, and he even talked about it afterwards, the confidence that he felt after that to be able to get into a rhythm, 
you saw it, and I thought it carried through the rest of the game. The Eagles aren't the type of team that are going to throw six guys at you every single time. So, I mean, they were kind of sitting back a little bit, trying to eat up yeah. some clock. They had, they had a multi-score lead. They were not they, – they, their whole plan was to not get gashed for the but big play. Exactly. But then it happened anyway because, uh, because Christian Watson was just too darn fast. And let's also be honest and, and let's be fair to love here – he put that ball exactly where it needed to be for Watson to be able to continue to hit all cylinders. No question. 20.97 miles per hour, whatever it was that next-gen stats had him clocked at. This guy, I keep saying it, Mike, I mean, his speed is prodigious. I mean, it is. I have not seen an athlete like this at his size. Yeah. I mean, right. he is a monstrous dude Right. that runs like a track star. Yeah. It's crazy. And he didn't even – I mean – this is the thing. I mean, you, you mentioned the next-gen stat thing where he was clocked at, you know, just a shade under 21 miles per hour. It didn't look like he was running mm-hmm. that fast. I mean, it looked like he was running that fast because he was running away from the defenders, but it didn't look like he was even necessarily giving it 100%. And I'm not saying no. that he wasn't. It just doesn't look like that because it looks so effortless yes. for him. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how he can get up to that kind of speed and make it look so easy. Well, it reminds me of when I was in high school and there was these guys that would always like... You could run rev- 21 miles an hour? Yeah, yes. <laughs> it was a big time for me. I, I, I was going to go pro like Uncle Rico. Um, but, you know, it'd be those guys that, that sit there and they rev their trucks and they're, they're, you know, really getting the thing going and they're going like six miles an hour. But then you see some of these like real sports car type things and those things just zoom and you don't hear anything. Yeah, right. Right. That's Watson. Right. It's just, and it's just, and it's interesting talking to him and seeing him, you know, and how he worked with the media Matt Schneidman and, and I were interviewing him afterwards while everyone else was talking to Jordan Love and the guy carries himself like a professional. I'm so excited to see where his career is going to go. I mean, up once again for the NFL Rookie of the Week honors. I mean, this this guy, is, if he can stay healthy, you love everything you've seen from him. As it relates, though, to your initial question, when you look at Jordan Love, last year against Kansas City was a tough spot for him to be thrown into. Rodgers gets, you know, pops with COVID. So he's thrown in there, and it is the true definition of a spot start, right? Yeah. It's, and it's a, it's, a, it's a defense that threw the kitchen sink at him. He struggled against it. Detroit week 18 was just a total mess, you know, and everything and how they approached it. What I liked about this is he stood tall in the pocket. He was decisive. And you want to talk about a guy that looked like he knew what he was doing after three years now, almost in this scheme. It was very impressive to see Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Everybody's saying it. Matt LaFleur said it on Monday. If he's healthy, if he's cleared with this rib injury, he will play against Chicago. But, when you look at Jordan Love and you're looking for markers of his improvement, I, I thought this game is 146 passer rating. It showed you not only his potential, but how he was seamlessly able to sort of integrate himself in with this offense. This is a guy that's had a lot of snaps in practice, Mike, with Christian Watson, with that first-team offensive line when Rodgers hasn't been able to go. Right. He, he, you can tell the difference there in the comfort level when he was out there this year. Yeah, and it was interesting, too, because Matt LaFleur actually talked about what what might have been Jordan Love's most impressive throw of the nine pass attempts that he had in the game was actually one of the three incompletions yes. where he's trying to hit Aaron Jones on, some people call it a hole shot, others call it honey hole. What that is a reference to is a sideline route where the intended receiver, in this case it's a running back in Aaron Jones, is in between a short corner and a deep safety. 
And uh, um, in order to fit that pass in there, you've got to fire it because if yeah. you if if you put any kind of touch or loft on it, it's going to hang in the air for too long, and one of the defenders is going to get there in time. Or your receiver is going to get lit up. Right, too. exactly. You're going to leave your receiver yeah. hanging out to dry, and he's going to get clobbered if he's trying to catch it while keeping his feet inbound. Yeah. And Jordan Love saw the opportunity for the whole shot against Aaron Jones down the sideline, and he let it rip. Um, and Jones wasn't able to catch it. Um, I'm sure he would say he would love to have that one back. He made a great catch in the back of the end zone on an Aaron Rodgers scramble drill earlier in the game that got the Packers a big touchdown. But that, uh, that throw from Jordan Love right there shows you something about, about the progress, the confidence, everything about the footwork and the timing yeah. and, and all of that. Um, so very interested to see what happens here with uh, – with the Packers at quarterback moving forward, um, Aaron Rodgers has said obviously if he's cleared and the Packers still have a chance, he would like to be he would like to keep playing. Um, realistically, the Packers are one loss away from really there not being any more math on their side whatsoever. You get to nine losses, the, the best you can finish is eight and nine. The way things look in the NFC right now, it looks like nine and eight will maybe get one of the final playoff spots and there's even no guarantee of that at this point depending on how on how things shake out so maybe we're going to see more of Jordan Love moving forward Um, hopefully whoever it is at quarterback for the Packers this week against the Bears Rodgers or Love hopefully the Packers can get a win and avoid that ninth loss at least for a little while longer and then you uh, and then you see what happens Um, I want to get to and you mentioned on our next show we'll talk about the Chicago Bears. I want to get to what was really a very wild week of football in the NFL in Week 12 after a little bit of sponsor business here. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better um week 12 in the nfl wes 11 games yeah decided by one score or less obviously eight you know eight points or less 11 games in one week we're talking about two overtime games where cleveland beats tampa bay and the Raiders beat the Seahawks on the road on an 86-yard touchdown run in overtime, uh, one of the longest, maybe the longest walk-off touchdown in the history of the league. I don't know. You have two other games that come down to coaches deciding down by one to go for two in the last 15 seconds of the fourth quarter. Rather than kick and play for overtime, they go for two. Both the Chargers and the Jaguars get the two-point conversions, and they win those games. And the game with, uh, uh, with Jacksonville against Baltimore ends up coming down to a 67-yard field goal attempt yeah. by Justin Tucker. Um, the Washington Commanders, who have now won six of their last seven, they end up winning a close one at home against the Atlanta Falcons um, when a ball is tipped and intercepted at the goal line in the last minute, a minute and a half, or two minutes, or whatever was left on the clock. Just another, I mean... Game after game in this league, week after week, these games, so many of them are so close. You have to fight. You have to find a way to win. And at the end of the day, the the teams that find a way most often are the ones that uh, that still get to play 
late into January and everybody else, uh, everybody else is licking their wounds, so to speak. But this past week, week 12 in the NFL was absolutely the epitome of what this league is about and how any game at any moment can just turn on a dime. And let's not even talk about Sunday too. Look at Thursday. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm in, and I am including the Thursday games yeah. in the 11 games yes, decided absolutely. by one score. That's looking at the entire week in general, including the Thanksgiving games. But, but Thursday night, as I'm in my turkey coma, you know, I get done watching the Cowboys in, in Giants, which ends up going right down to the wire. Then I'm watching, you know, the Vikings yeah. and Patriots, who out of all the variables that you never see happening with a matchup, Bill Belichick's team losing because of special teams. Yeah, two two major major blunders on special teams by a Bill Belichick team. Yeah, that cost his team what would be a what what would have been a huge victory in that AFC East race for New England. And then Josh Allen comes back, you know, just absolutely rips the heart out of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I mean, just unbelievable, you know. And again, this is what premium. Pro Bowl, All Pro type talent. That's what they do. Yeah. You know, they make craziness happen. And I'm sitting there then on Sunday, in my hotel room, waiting for us to get you know to go to the game. And you're seeing Trevor Lawrence throw some of the hardest balls that I've ever seen. I mean, I mean, it is incredible the passes he was throwing and the decisiveness. And yeah, and he he had to he had to drive the Jaguars. I want to say it was close to 90 yards yeah. for that final touchdown. And he is throwing rockets. Just I mean darts. <laughs> I mean, like I felt bad for his receiver's hands by the time. And the and the two, and the two point conversion was a was a two yard missile to the pylon. Yeah. I mean, it was like he just he just was not he was not holding back. That was and, that was impressive. And you know, as you talked about watching these teams, you know, Doug Doug Peterson. All right, we got the touchdown. We're going for the win. We're not playing for this overtime yeah. business. And Brandon Staley for the Chargers did the same thing. Another guy that that the decision doesn't surprise you based on no. their track record, right? These, that's that's the kind, that's the way these guys 100%. coach their teams. And the the tragic thing again for Green Bay is four and seven Raiders knocking off the Seahawks. So now the 49ers are actually the top seed right now in the NFC West, and Seattle is kind of you know outside looking in now again. You had um, the Buccaneers lost again. You, there, there's just things actually tilted pretty well towards Green Bay's favor in terms of these matchups, and you weren't able to capitalize on it. So it is what it is. But in terms of the entertainment side of this thing, certainly uh, was a very interesting uh, weekend of football, going all the way from Thursday into well, realistically, even Monday night. You know, with the you know, the shenanigans at the end of that game, yeah. too, between the Steelers and Colts. Right, right. I mean, here one other thing I want to touch on before we go, because this is not a team that we have talked about much. They're not on the Packers' schedule. Um, and, uh, you know, we haven't talked about them since last January when they came into Lambeau Field yeah. and knocked the Packers off in the playoffs. And, of course, I'm talking about the San Francisco 49ers. And I take nothing away from the Philadelphia Eagles. They are 10-1. and They look like they are really tough to beat. The Minnesota Vikings bounced back on a short week from getting shellacked by the Cowboys, posted a big home win over the New England Patriots on Thanksgiving night. The Vikings have just two losses on the year. They look like they are headed um, you know, to the playoffs and, and will be a threat to make a deep playoff run. But I'm telling you, if, if for my money, Right now, the most dangerous team in the NFC is the San Francisco 49ers. I, that team, yeah. and, and, and it's not just because they added Christian McCaffrey to that offense, and, 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 I, and because I do think he has changed their offense, yeah. and there may not be a better trio of offensive weapons in the league than McCaffrey, 
Debo Samuel and George Kittle when all three of those yep. guys are healthy and playing. But the San Francisco 49ers defensively, Wes, they have not given up a point in the second half of four straight games, four consecutive yeah. second-half shutouts on defense. I mean, that's like unheard of. They, have, they gave up, before Halloween, they gave up 30 points in the second half to the Kansas City Chiefs when they lost kind of a shootout game yep. to, to Patrick Mahomes. Right. And since that game, prior to Halloween, they have not given up a point in the second half of a football game. That, that, team, that team is absolutely scary right now, in my opinion, even though record-wise they're not getting the attention that the Eagles and the Vikings are getting. San Francisco is the team I absolutely would not want to play right now. If you, want to play, if you, if you don't want to play, but if you're going to play San Francisco, make sure you get them in September or October. No kidding, man. Uh, because the way that Holy Kyle cow. Shanahan gets that team trending in November and December and into January, uh, they're always building momentum. And two, I mean, D'Amico Ryans has to be uh, a guy that is going to be a legitimate top-tier head coaching candidate. No question this year. about it. No and when that happens – I'm really going to feel bad about myself because now I officially am starting to feel old that D'Amico <laughs> Ryans is going to be a head coach in the National Football League. Defensive coordinator, I can take that. <laughs> but if he ends up, it's like, man, it is now you're starting, now you're starting to get there, right? You know, Graham Harrell ends up becoming a head coach here at some point. That's what makes you feel old, you know, yeah. in the National Football League or in college football. But um, be that as it may, the 49ers just find ways to win football games and to hold – the Saints in check the way they did, to hold Elvin Kamara in check the way they did. Again, it's another one of these football teams you just do not want to face. And how about this, Mike? We can close on this maybe. The NFC West, everybody just anticipated, okay, how many playoff teams are coming out of there this year? Seahawks, maybe they'll be the ones that will be in the back there. Geno Smith or Drew Locke, nobody's looking at them. Yeah. Three playoff teams maybe if you're asking people in week one. NFC East, okay, maybe Philadelphia challenges Dallas, but otherwise, it's just when you actually play these games, it's just it, it you have to do it out on the grass. And well, and and, wh- and what everybody was saying along those same lines about the AFC West yeah. and the, cor- oh, the yeah. quarterbacks, the quarterbacks yep. in that division. Now, there's still a lot to play out, and obviously, the the Raiders now have won back-to-back overtime games, and maybe they're going to make a late season run like they did last year and get themselves into the picture. The Chargers, I think, could still be very dangerous. The the the, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. The Broncos have uh, have really struggled. But everybody thought, you know, the AFC West with those four quarterbacks was going to be the dominant division in yep. football, and it hasn't turned it hasn't turned out that way. Nope. So, you, as you say, you have to play, have to the, play games the games and see uh, and, and see what happens. And it's going to be it's going to be really fun to see how all of this unfolds in the playoff picture and everything down the stretch. It's uh, it's not going to be fun for the Packers not to be a part of it if uh, if they can't you know put together a, a, a you know, crazy winning streak here down the stretch. How many wins will it take? We're going to jot this down, Justin, our producer right now, because Marvin is on holiday. Um, (laughs) How many wins will it take for the NFC South? How many wins to win the division? Oh, I, I mean, I think nine and eight. I think nine and eight could win that division. I, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering eight and nine. Now you think you think a, you think a sub 500 division champion out of the AFC, of the NFC South? I, I just hey, love I wouldn't that. I, w- I wouldn't I w- it wouldn't shock me. If, I just if, love if that you're, if you're asking me for what I think. I think it'll be I think it'll be nine and eight. But the Saints get smacked and they're still like a game and a half out yeah. of the lead right yeah. now in that division. 
Yeah, that's the that, that's the division to be in if you want to be clinging to uh, to realistic playoff hopes when uh, when things haven't gone your way. And uh, we'll see how we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that was I mean for the for the Buccaneers to lose in overtime at Cleveland, that was a that was a game they were chalking up as a victory yeah. for sure to try to take command of things. Didn't work out that way, and now uh, Tampa Bay's fighting an uphill climb as well. So, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. We've got it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.